This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. You've found me. This is The Conspiracy Show. I'm Richard Serrett. Come on in, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, come warm yourself by the fire. You are among friends. It is so good to be here uh, with you. Uh, this is going to be a busy Exploring hour. Exploring theories. Uncovering Oh, before I was so rudely interrupted. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a busy hour. We have company. Uh, Victor Vigiani, executive director of Zeland Communications, uh, is in studio. We'll say hello momentarily to him. Standing by on the phone, uh, Thomas J. Carey and Donald R. Schmidt, Roswell investigators extraordinaire. Uh, all four of us. That's right, all four of us in this tiny little room, and we'll be discussing their uh, new book, that's um, uh, Schmidt and Carey's new book, The Children of Roswell, A Seven-Decade Legacy of Fear, Intimidation, and uh, Cover-Ups. Before that, uh, we'll say hello to a couple of people absolutely crucial to the flawless execution of this program. (laughs) I wrote the script before that little uh, faux pas there earlier. Uh, Anyway, uh, Ian Robertson. Uh, the reincarnation of Eddie Cochran is with us on the other side of the glass, twisting the knobs and the dials. And uh, he's my technical producer. Uh, then across the table, the mysterious, shy, reserved Albert Vinzel is with us. Uh, still undecided. Albert could be a spy. I'm not really sure. He's so mysterious. Uh, he plays his cards very close to the vest. But I do know that he's a remote viewer. Did you know that about uh, Albert? He is a remote viewer. And I am still waiting for him to give me some winning lottery numbers. Uh, Albert is also running our HOA. That's our Hangout on Air. And if you want to watch the live stream of the program, just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. At Richard Serrett. S-Y, because I love you, R-E-T-T. 
and click on the HOA link, uh, which is in the uh, tweet uh, the uh, tweet at or near the top of my Twitter feed. Uh, and uh, tweets and HOAs, what is he talking about? All right, uh, please visit the website, strangeplanet.ca. Go to the radio page. That's the conspiracy show. Uh, please register, become a, num- a member. It's fast and it's easy and it's free. Just got to get past that little CAPTCHA, uh, which is not a problem. And CAPTCHAs are getting very interesting. Now you get to like hit a home run or, I don't know, uh, uh, putt a, uh, a golf ball into a hole and then to prove you're not a human, they're getting more and more complex all the time. Anyway, uh, once you're a member, that gives you a, um, a special access to the members-only page, strangeplanet.ca. And while you're there, uh, please visit the live events page, Play, uh, strangeplanet.ca, the live events page, my next live event, Sunday, April the 17th, at, that's at the University of Toronto, right downtown St. George campus, Sunday, April 17th, The Bilderbergs, uh, featuring Daniel Estulin, Pulitzer Prize nominee. Did you know he was also nominated for a Nobel Prize? He was. Uh, and he's met Fidel Castro, presented him with a copy of his uh, book, The True Story of the Bilderbergs. Anyway, Daniel Estulin, Sunday, April 17th, U of T. And he'll be presenting the Canadian theatrical debut uh, of his uh, new documentary film, Bilderberg, the movie. Uh, and then after that, that's not enough. Okay, so you watch this incredible new film on the Bilderbergs. Then Daniel will present a 90-minute lecture revealing his uh, incredible research into the secretive, powerful cabal, the Bilderbergs. Uh, For more information and to order tickets online, go to strangeplanet.ca, click on the live events page, and you can also order through our good friends at Conspiracy Culture in store at 1344 Bloor Street West uh, by phone, 416-916-1696, 416-916-1696. 416-916-1696, 416-916-1696, or online at conspiracyculture.com. The Bilderberg, Sunday, April 17th. Hope to see you there. All right. Since 1947, when alien spacecraft crashed near Roswell, New Mexico, the historic incident has been well-documented, described, researched, and explained in countless books, articles, and films. Now, two of the most reputable Roswell experts, Thomas J. Carey and Donald R. Schmidt, have at last exposed the turbulent and scandalous aftermath, the lifetime impact that Roswell has had on families who lived with the truth, all the while enduring the government's erroneous accounts of the event. In their newest bestseller, The Children of Roswell, a seven-decade legacy of fear, intimidation, and cover-ups, The authors reveal evidence of years of suppression and fear of reprisal that these descendants of the Roswell witnesses have suffered from the U.S. government. Thomas Carey, Don Schmidt, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Good evening, Richard. Glad to be with you. Excellent. Hi, Richard. Good to be with you again. Great to have you both. And uh, Victor Vigiani, of course, from Zealand News Network. Let me see. If, there we are. Number two. Your microphone number two, Victor. How are you? I'm just fine. Good to see you again in fine, in fine form. Uh, this is Hi, like, Victor. Hello, guys. How you doing? All right. That's fine. Great. So uh, two of you on the line. I've got uh, Albert in studio, Victor in studio. This is like in this tiny cramped space. I feel like uh, an episode of Operation Petticoat or something. It's crowded in here. <laughs> Radio at its best. It is, indeed. Nice and intimate, and great to have you with us. Very good. Uh, Sunday night especially. Uh, Now, 
curious uh, the thing. I mean, you you guys have dealt into so many different aspects of the Roswell UFO crash, but why why now are you looking at the descendants, the children, as opposed to the adults? What's so special about the children? Well, I think primarily for the fact that even throughout the course of our investigation, we've always been interviewing the families. Uh, many times we've had the families take us aside. You know, I've been trying to get my husband to talk. We've been trying to get our father to talk for years without uh, any success. And as a result, we often stayed in contact with the families. And little by little, we started to learn about a lot of the fear, a lot of the intimidation, about the late-night phone calls, about the... Um, you know, strange occurrences that not only transpired in the aftermath of 1947, but in, in, in many cases, right up to their own deaths, right up even to today. And now, of course, you know, we, uh, we've lost, uh, I don't, are there any original witnesses left? I don't believe. And now even the children, of course, are, are getting on. Are there any original, there aren't any original witnesses left, are there? The original witnesses, uh, mostly, if, if you got to figure, uh, Richard, uh, if you're a 20-year-old uh, Air Force person back in 1947, next year you'll be 90 years old. Right, right. Exactly. And most of those, I would say 99% of those are gone now the, that were uh, at the Roswell base, uh, certainly those involved there's the only i can only think of one off the top of my head i can only think of one who might still be alive as i i called him a year ago he was still alive he was in his late uh 80s but when you're that old i mean you could be gone the next day you know so uh along the way we started relying upon the children because oftentimes the children will speak if if the parent has told the story to the child where the where we would call up the participant when they were still alive they would say oh I'm sworn to secrecy I I'm on a government pension uh, I don't want to mess up things uh, I I like things the way they are goodbye so uh, we uh, increasingly have relied on children and now the children are starting to pass away and increasingly the grandchildren, the second and third generations. So that's where we're at. Uh, and, I mean, uh, we know about the the threats that the adults received by the military and, and, uh, and the sheriff and uh, Secret Service reports that they were on the ground there very quickly as well. The, the adults were certainly threatened. But are you hearing from the children that, that they were directly or indirectly threatened as well? Well, certainly the uh, the, the best example, is, which uh, we've cited for years, but which have we lost Don? Or... No, Don's here. We still have Don. Thomas, can you can you not hear Don? I don't hear him now, no. Uh, go, Don, try, try speaking to make sure Thomas can hear you. Yes, Tom, are you there? Okay, Thomas Ground is... control to Major Tom. <laughs> All right, Thomas isn't hearing you. Thomas, are you hearing me? I am hearing you. I just heard Don uh, a second ago. All right. Good, good. Okay, so uh, Don, you go ahead, and then Thomas, uh, you, you can follow up. So again, the one of you are going to give me a, an example of a child 
of Roswell who was threatened? Well, certainly the best example, which we've cited for years, would be uh, Frankie Rowe, who was the daughter of fireman uh, Dan Dwyer with the Roswell Fire Department back in 1947, who, after hearing about the crash north of town, personally went out in his own vehicle with another firefighter, arriving just Whoops, before We're getting some real the, feedback here, Don. I don't know if you can hear it on your end. Uh, I'm hearing a slight echo. Okay. All right. You're on a, a landline? Uh, yes. Okay. Yep. All right. We'll try to fix that during the break, but we're, and we'll, we're heading into a break shortly. But I'm sorry for the interruption. Go ahead. But because of what her father, the fireman Dan Dwyer, had conveyed to her, her sister, their mother, and then what Frankie herself had observed when a state police officer by the name of, of Robert Scroggins had stopped by the firehouse, with a piece of the wreckage from the actual debris field, the crash. And she was able to handle it and see that it had characteristics that even by today's accounts was something very strange, very bizarre. It had perfect memory. It uh, would unfold and smooth out right before their eyes. And the military would actually come to her home later that day, uh, sequestering her mother Hello? and... Uh, Oh, we still have Don uh, Thomas. Sorry, we're we're talking with Don. You can't hear Don, but we'll try to fix this uh, during uh, the break. Something's going on with the phones. I keep losing you. All right, we will try and fix this during the break, uh, Thomas, yeah, if I you can, can hear, hear me. You. Okay. Don was just finishing up on on one of the uh, the children that were threatened. Right, and and in her case, uh, she would overhear her mother being threatened that they would kill the children, that they would. Uh, take the children out into the desert, and nobody would ever see them again. And it still continues to smack in the face of those who still insist on believing that this was something mundane, something conventional, something really as silly as a weather balloon device, as we are still led to believe by United States government officials. And yet, the very notion that they would have threatened children over that really, you know, you know silly explanation on their part. You know, it just still boggles the mind. Yeah, I mean, an experimental weather balloon is one thing, and it's possible that that would be a classified uh, a program, you know, very protective of a high-altitude surveillance-type balloon. But to threaten children uh, over something like that, uh, that doesn't seem likely. Uh, okay, so we're having some phone problems. We'll try to uh, fix those, address those during the break. Thomas Carey, Don Schmidt, the children of Roswell, Victor Vigiani, Zeland Communications in studio. Back with more right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at one 866 740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up must come down. And it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. 
All right, uh, welcome back. The children of Roswell. We're talking about the sons and daughters of Roswell witnesses and the years of abuse and surveillance by the U.S. US government they have endured over the last seven decades. And uh, co-authors Donald R. Schmidt and Thomas Carey uh, are with us. Now, we are having some phone problems, and what is happening is uh, that Don and Tom can both hear me, but they can't hear each other. So what we're going to do is, uh, Don, you're going to stay with us until the bottom of the hour, and uh, then I'm going to uh, let you go and bring Thomas on for the for the second half. Are you okay with that? I apologize, but... No, I'm perfectly fine. Okay, because we want to include Thomas in this as well, and um, unfortunately the phones just are not cooperating. But you can hear me now, and we've eliminated the uh, the feedback. Um, so um, let me turn things over to uh, to Victor Vigiani from uh, Zeland Communications, and uh, uh, take it away, Victor. Yeah, I guess the the biggest thing, Don, that uh, you know, in in looking at some of the chapters that uh, that I've looked at. Uh, the, the incident with Dan Dan Dwyer and and Lee Reeves when they first went out there when they made the first trip out there, and I'm trying to put this all together with respect to, you know, what the reaction of the um, the Roswell Army Air Force uh, was at the time, and they came in and they literally overwhelmed everybody because of what went on, and I can understand them doing that from the point of view of whatever landed might have been secret. I can handle that, but when these two guys apparently made the first trip out. Um, they saw the crashed vehicle, okay? The, or the, you, you used the term in the book, you and Tom used the word vessel. It was like a, an egg-shaped vessel. And then they saw these three bodies of some kind. And then right. they, someone looked off to the corner out of their eye and they said they saw one walking around kind of in a daze. Uh, right. it, to me, I don't know how many weather balloons or, or whatever it might have been uh, would, would hold that, that kind of, uh, you know, creatures in them to, you know, I just don't know. It really kind of confuses me. So that, to me, is a tip-off that something really, really bizarre happened. Well, you raise a, an excellent point, Victor, and it's, a, and it's a point that the skeptics continue to harbor on that until we started the investigation in the late 80s that there was absolutely no mention of bodies, for example. No mention of any beings, any uh, survivors, anything biological connected to this. That's why they're able to hold on to this balloon explanation, because they claim that it was all concocted by the researchers, by the investigators. And yet, all these families that we speak with, there is this constant reference to the little people, the little men. Mm-hmm. going all the way back to the time of the incident. And one of the chapters, for example, and I'll, I'll, I'll mention this to both you and Richard, as an example of still another first-hand witness that we just talked to as of last week, so obviously not contained within the book, but I'll, I'll quickly demonstrate how it's connected to one of the body witnesses, and that was the late Sergeant Melvin Brown, who was with K-Squad, the Kitchen Squad, for example. And keeping in mind that this was the first atomic bomb base in the world at that time, each and every one, each and every personnel on that base had a top security clearance. And as a result, that if you worked in the mess hall, you also had a top security clearance. Well, Brown's story to his family, his wife Ada, his daughters Beverly and Harriet, right up until he died, was that he was posted behind an ambulance truck out at that site, out at that very same site that Dan Dwyer and Lee Reeves drove out to days before. And he was posted and told, keep his eyes forward. First chance he got, what did he do? He 
reached in behind him, lifted up a tarp, and there were a couple of the bodies. So he actually saw what he had only heard as rumors, the little people, the little men. Well, advance 2016. Well, there was a pig farmer by the name of Ray Pollard who would go into the base with a flatbed truck each and every morning with empty garbage pails and would exchange them for food scraps, for garbage from the mess halls to take and feed to his pigs at his pig farm. And he would overhear a sergeant from K-Squad talking about the strange people involved in a crash north of town at the very same time that the newspaper was publishing the press release claiming the Army had captured a flying saucer. So was it the same sergeant? But nonetheless, it was somebody still connected to the very same unit, the very same squadron. Would you imagine? years later, and according to him, his family that we've talked to, they Mm -hmm. were talking about it immediately after the event, and they've been talking about it all these years, long before Friedman and Moore and Randall and Schmidt and Kerry, any of us have been working on this. They were talking about the strange men involved in a crash north of Roswell, dating right back to the incident. If they, if they can eliminate this body issue, if, and when I say they, the people who want to debunk all of this, in addition to the government people that continue to harass these children, um, if they can eliminate the whole body issue, I guess Roswell goes up in smoke. But it, to, it, to my way of thinking, and even when you talk about the people that flew the bodies out of uh, Wright-Patterson, um, I think it was uh, one of the pilots described them putting the, the bodies into the crates. And yes. yeah, and all of that—that's going to be. Ex- that was O. W. Pappy Henderson. Correct. Pappy Henderson, right? Yeah, uh, that that issue alone, and the recurrence of the whole body issue, sustains this this matter to a point where, uh, and even the 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 constant, and even to this day, the harassment of these children. There's no way that people can disprove that something very, very different and very strange happened uh, back in in July of 1947. There's just no way they can eliminate this from being a matter of keen interest to the government that's where well again let's also cite you know two principal examples that uh, the the very same debunkers the same skeptics cannot deny if we talk about that infamous weather balloon press conference going up the chain of command over the 509th bomb group from roswell to the 8th air force headquartered at carsville army airfield in fort worth texas and there the commanding officer of the 8th air force brigadier general roger ramey brought the press in to photograph not the remains from Roswell, but a substituted weather balloon with a radar reflector kite. Mm-hmm. Even his very chief of staff, Colonel Thomas DeBose, then later a retired brigadier general, we have him signing a sworn affidavit. We have him giving a video deposition where he states the balloon was a hoax, that they were the ones who substituted the material, the balloon material, for the actual material. And General Ramey, in three of the photographs, is holding that telex, that piece of paper. And in one of them, you can make out a paragraph of text. And under extreme computer enhancement and and scanning as far as uh, analysis, you are able to read the line, 
the victims of the wreck. Well, there again, what victims connected to a weather balloon? Mm-hmm. They're right, right there. They're confirming some form of bodies associated with the wreck. Uh, staying and with then the- we want to advance it up to 1997, when the Air Force had another press conference in Washington, and they put out their fourth explanation, the wooden crash dummy, the anthropomorphic wooden crash dummy explanation. Albeit five years removed, the project didn't even originate until five years after Roswell. Nonetheless, the Air Force felt compelled. They felt forced to come up with a rational explanation for all of the body reports, all of the body testimony. And to us, that was a major victory because the Air Force was demonstrating that they were acknowledging some semblance of bodies recovered. Don Schmidt is uh, with us, a co-author of The Children of Roswell. Uh, Thomas Carey will join us after the bottom of the hour. Now, sticking with the alien bodies, uh, uh, Don, uh, one of the daughters of one of the the key witnesses to these bodies uh, told you about discovering that her telephone had been bugged. How long did that yeah. go on for? Tell me about this witness, and how long was this, well, uh, this the, the, surveillance? The witness we were talking about earlier, and that would be Frankie Rowe. When they had moved after she had married, and her and her husband, they moved up to Pertalis, which is about an hour northeast of Roswell. And it wasn't until around 1997, actually it was just before, the 50th anniversary celebration that uh, they had a, a bad storm and a power outage and a phone outage. Technician came and, you know, repaired the phone line and came to the door and he handed her this electronic device. And she didn't recognize it. She had no idea. She thought it was just some scrap wiring that he had replaced. And he informs her, you know, Mrs. Rowe, you realize that somebody's been monitoring your phone use. Someone's been monitoring your phone calls. And she was shocked, obviously. But then she and her husband became angry, and she immediately realized that it had something to do with Roswell. She realized that the only reason that anybody would be concerned about who and what she was you know, t- uh, talking about was the fact that just within the five years before, she had first gone public. It was the first time that we had actually been able to interview her and her, have her actually describe to us her father's account, the physical threats of the, the military threatening to kill them, should the, the parents ever talk about this, and then her own personal recollection of handling a piece of the wreckage and how it, was, it, it possessed this perfect memory. Well, that, that's so something. Why would somebody yeah. again be so concerned? Yeah, the, there's there's a part there, Don, in in the in one of the the, the chapters that I was looking at, where you talked about GIs um, would be uh, coming and going, taking these parts from I think it was Building 84 or Hangar P3, whatever it was. It was both, right? Yeah, um, are they one and the same thing. There. Well, it was P3 and 47, and uh, in recent years, okay. it's, uh, it's known as Building 84. Correct? Yeah, my, my question is, uh, some of the GIs would uh, take uh, take great fun in, in taking some of these uh, these parts of the of, of the debris, you know, segments of the debris, and and trying to take them to uh, you know mechanics of some kind to to uh, to drill through them or heat them or I mean welding the, shops. Yeah, that's right. Attempt to cut with the acetylene torches. Of and course. Arcs. Yeah. 
I mean, advanced and, material uh, like that, my goodness. And so it, it, it's, there's a pattern of activity, of behavior, not only in the part of civilians involved, but also the military, as to the strain characteristics of this wreckage. And that's something that, whether it is the government here in the States or even authors and researchers who do attempt to come up with alternative explanations, they never address the wreckage, the bodies. They never address what the witnesses who handled it, who saw them firsthand, are describing. And they're not describing anything that I'm aware of, or I would uh, defy anyone to come up with a rational explanation as to what these people are describing, as to the true nature of the wreckage and the bodies recovered at Roswell. Uh, another witness to the uh, the bodies. Uh, the, the, uh, I never knew about um, New Mexico Lieutenant Governor Joseph Montoya until I, I talked to you, uh, yes. Don. I hadn't heard that that tale. And uh, uh, d- does he have does he have children, living children, and, and does that enter into this uh, at yes, all? Have you does. talked to them? And uh, other relatives who we have spoken with. We had even spoken to his widow, his wife, very early on uh, into our investigation. And uh, we always ran up uh, against a brick wall. Uh, fortunately, some of his uh, personal friends, uh, for example, both uh, Pete and Ruben Anaya, they were uh, members of the uh, Democratic Party at that time. They were schoolmates, and uh, they were the ones who essentially rescued him from out at the base. He, uh, he was out at that same, that, that very hangar, P3. He was originally there. It was the 4th of July weekend. He was there for the unveiling of a, of a new aircraft. And he calls up and get me basically the hell out of here. Get me out of here. Pick me up right now. I'll be at the water t- tower, which is just down from P3. And uh, they pick him up. He's uh, in the back seat. And, you know, he's just beside himself. And then finally he blurts out, they weren't human. They weren't human. And to us, we've spent much time trying to confirm exactly where the lieutenant governor was at that time. Uh, We can tell you exactly where the governor was, but we cannot find, given it's a 4th of July weekend, and there would have been all types of parades and ceremonies and rodeos and festivals, there is not a paper in the entire state of New Mexico that identifies where Joseph Montoya, the very lieutenant governor at that time, was. So we find that rather unusual as well. All right. Uh, Don, listen, we are going to say goodbye to you and then welcome uh, your co-author, Thomas Carey, back for the last half of the uh, of this particular segment. So I want to thank you uh, and uh, congratulate you on the children of Roswell. Well, thanks for your help as always, Richard and Victor. Thank you to both of you. Always great to be with you, and I look forward to the next time. Likewise, my friend. All right, Thomas Carey, the co-author of The Children of Roswell, Victor Vigiani, Zeland Communications and Studio, back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Do not go away. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. To reach Richard, call 416-360-0740. Or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, welcome back. Uh, we have said uh, goodbye to the children of Roswell co-author Don Schmidt um, due to some telephone complications. I won't bore you with the details, but we can't have uh, both guests on at the same time. So uh, we now welcome back uh, Thomas J. Carey, uh, the other author of The Children of Roswell. Victor Vigiani remains in studio from Zeland Communications. Thomas, uh, thank you for your patience and welcome back. Well, nice to be with you again, Richard. And uh Victor. All right. Um, we, were, we were mentioning, you know, now we're losing the, the children uh, of Roswell. And, of course, um, uh, one of those would be Jesse Marcel, Jr. Uh, you talk about in the book the, um, how the U.S. Air Force tried to get him to change his story. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And then I'll turn things over to Victor. Yes. Uh, Jesse Marcel, Jr., uh, we, Don and I both knew very well. A finer person you can never hope to meet. He was just the wonderful man. Uh, he was a ear, nose, and throat doctor. He had, uh, I believe, he flew helicopters. He uh, uh, was uh, called back to military. He was a, he was a uh, 10-year service veteran. And he, at age 69, I believe he was. He was called back to service for in Iraq, and he served two tours of duty, you know, from age 69 to early 70s in Iraq. And uh, just a finer man you never want to meet. And uh, so he, and he was 11 years old at the time of the Roswell incident, and his father, before he uh, came back from the crash site with with a car full of the wreckage, he stopped off at home to show his wife and his son, Jesse Jr. And uh, so Jesse, they spread out some of the, the material on the kitchen floor. And uh, this was really strange. And Jesse told us that his father, even at that time, believed that the wreckage was from what they used to call flying saucers. Now we call them uh, extraterrestrial spaceships. Uh, UFOs. Anyway, uh, over the years, uh, they were they had been advised, and that's using a, a gentle term. They, they were threatened not to talk about this ever again, and they didn't for thirty years until Jesse Senior was uh, getting near the end of the trail, and he started talking about his experience back in 1947 over his ham radio network. He was a member of a ham radio group, and, uh, you know, they talk, talk, you know, over the, you know, breaker, breaker, this is KXOA, and things like that. So anyway, so uh, Jesse Jr., now Jesse Sr. died in 1986. Jesse Jr. picked up the baton, and uh, when... Uh, interviewers came calling because the case was now out since 1980 with the the first book, The Roswell Incident. Researchers came calling and Jesse Jr. picked up the baton and started talking about what he knew. So along about uh, 1993-94, the the, uh, General Accounting Office, the investigative arm of 
of Congress in the United States uh, were tasked by Congressman Stephen Schiff of New Mexico to, to try to find out about what, you know what took place at Roswell. So the General Accounting Office the, they started to a search for documents, you know, like uh, telexes and phone messages and things that might have been generated from the Roswell base at that time to uh, to shed some light on what was going on. And uh, the net result was that they they declared that the, all of those documents were missing, had been destroyed by unknown authority. Well, moving along, Jesse Jr., every time now he was he's becoming well-known because he's speaking out about what he knew, and he, he's an honest guy. He said that I held a... I held a piece of, uh, uh, he called it an I-beam, uh, with strange symbols on it. And he said he remembers it distinctly to this day, things like that, and, it, and what his father had told him. And every time Jesse was scheduled to co- go to an event, he would receive these uh, anonymous phone calls threatening him not not to continue with this, that this speaking out. Every time he went to a to an event where he was a speaker, which was often, he received these phone calls. And uh, the Air Force in 1994, uh, along with the the Stephen Schiff investigation, the Air Force decided to quote unquote reopen, and I use that term lightly. The, their investigation of the Roswell case. And they cherry-picked witnesses, uh, only had a few of them, and they came up with this Project Mogul explanation, these uh, high-altitude balloon arrays that were designed to carry aloft up into the stratosphere, these uh, acoustic sensors to uh, hopefully listen in and, and, and stay up there with constant-level balloons. And uh, way high up in this uh, certain level of the stratosphere where sound waves apparently are are very well amplified and, and carry long distances in, in the uh, in the hope of uh, detecting the Soviet Union's first uh, detonation of an atomic device. Well, that's the re- that's their explanation today was this project mogul. Well, uh, they would the. Uh, Chief investigator was a fellow by the name of, uh, he was a captain, uh, uh, James McAndrew. And he called up uh, Jesse Jr., who had personally seen the wreckage. He knew it was these uh, strong, thin, metallic pieces, and some of it was memory metal. Some of them were were, uh, these I-beams with strange symbols on them. Well, McAndrew, he was like he uh, was uh, cross-examining like a, a hostile witness, and he got Jesse trying to get Jesse to accept the Air Force position that these I beams were really masking tape, which were uh, used in the construction of these radar targets. These uh, rubber balloon carried tinfoil radar targets. They used bailing twine and this uh, scotch tape 
with these uh, with flowers on them, little Tom, colored flowers. Excuse me, Thomas. I got to jump in here. We're going to take a quick timeout. We'll come back and continue on with the Jesse Marcel uh, Jr. Uh, interrogation. Back with more of our conversation. Thomas Carey, co-author, The Children of Roswell. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Loose lips sink ships. And sometimes corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Thomas Carey, co-author of The Children of Roswell. We are talking about the sons and daughters of Roswell Witnesses. And in the book, uh, Thomas and Donald Schmidt, who joined us earlier, uh, reveal the the years of abuse and surveillance uh, that have been endured, again, for seven decades by... Uh, the uh, the family members, children of some of these principal witnesses to the Roswell UFO crash back in 1947. So uh, we'll get you to quickly uh, finish up on the, the Jesse Marcel Jr. Uh, interrogation, really, uh, by the U.S. Air Force, and then I'll turn it over to Victor. Go ahead, Thomas. Yes, yeah, so it, it's like a, a, a lawyer cross-examining a hostile witness. Uh, it was more like haranguing, and here, you know, you have Captain James Andrew haranguing retired Lieutenant Colonel Jesse Marcel Jr. So there, there's a, you know, a little irony there. But he said, uh, "What, what is it going to take for you to accept that what you handled was just Scotch tape with funny flowers on it?" And uh, Jesse never wavered. He never wavered. He took all of the abuse that uh, McAndrew was handing out, and his story never changed. I, uh, I don't know if you ever re- interviewed Jesse Jr., Richard. Uh, yes, I did. You know Both the Victor kind of and person I I'm talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, unapproachable. I mean, yes. not unapproachable, unreproachable. Yes. And uh, so he never wavered until the die, uh, die he did. The day he died. Right. Uh, it was in 2013. I had uh, met with him. Uh, he was down in Roswell for the festival. As Don and I are always down there in July, and uh, uh, we sh- we shared a bale of hay, sitting on on a bale of hay in a parade uh, down Main Street. <laughs> and, uh, we we were both sitting there looking at one another. What are we doing here on this bale of hay? But uh, heck of a nice guy. I just can't see him telling something uh, an untruth. I just can't. But uh, they harassed him. Uh, you cannot believe because they they targeted Jesse Senior first, and then when Jesse Senior died, they targeted Junior because they were unimpeachable. They were unimpeachable. But if you take them down, there's a good chance you take Roswell down, and uh, you know the the fallout from that. All right, so. Victor Vigiani. Yeah, go ahead. I, I want to. 
uh, address two things, Tom. Uh, first of all, uh, the skeptics always, uh, they hang their hat on the fact that, well, you know, there, there's no uh, solid proof. I'm not just talking about this incident, but generally speaking about the whole UFO ET issue. There's no solid proof. We don't have any, you know, vehicles. We don't have any, you know, parts. We don't have any ashtrays from the flying saucers. I'm being tongue-in-cheek, of course. No headlights. Yeah, yeah, exactly, wheel. right. In, in this case, um, it seems to have every single component. If you brought this case to a court of law, it would have everything from bodies to debris to government harassment to FBI memos to all kinds of documents. It has everything to it. And I just exactly it's got everything that any lawyer would want to have to pursue this case in a court of law. Um, So I guess that leads me to my next question is how much more do you guys need? to um, push this thing forward to get some sort of hearing or some sort of investigation through the government, not just have you know us talk about it on the radio, but it couldn't, can they ever resurrect this issue and bring it forward in a, in a quasi-court of law or uh, you know, a congressional hearing to say, let's get to the bottom of what happened at Roswell because we've got all the evidence. So let's, let's just stop uh, ragging the puck here. Don and I are not holding out for any government action. Uh, we just, uh, that's not on our radar scope. Uh, I just don't believe there ever will be any because the, the uh, civil rights violations that they committed starting in 1947, they, they do not want to account for. And they also don't want to account for a 70-year-old uh, lie. They've been telling a lie about this for 70 years now. And now to admit, all of a sudden, oh, yes, uh, yes, folks, uh, we've been lying to you, yes, for for 70 years. Then the question becomes, well, what else are you lying to us about? So that, that we, we just don't see that ever happening. What, what it will take, Victor, is the one of two things, either uh, one of three things, either a, a case that is just so compelling that hasn't happened yet, uh, a landing on the White House lawn is the vernacular. Uh, something like that, that that's on television, everybody sees it, and there's just no way around it. The, the other is, uh, I mean, we have the witnesses. We have hundreds of witnesses, from doctors and lawyers to, uh, uh, you know, uh, laborers to, to you name it. We, we, we have that type of witness. Uh, or we come into an irrefutable piece of physical evidence. And uh, we thought we had that last year with this, uh, and I don't want to get into the Roswell slide story, it's a long story, but we thought we had irrefutable evidence there with these slides that were presented to us that were located and we had we did three years of due diligence on us with all of the with all of the uh, arrows pointing to yes 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 and in the end it turned out no perhaps it's it's still in my mind uh, I'm still in a, a little bit of disbelief as to what happened and uh, it's the door is not fully closed closed on that uh, and I, like I said, I, did, I don't want to get into it. It's a really long story. It took us three years to uh, present what we knew. No, let's let's but focus to, for to sure on question, that. It will either take a compelling event involving a UFO that 
that there's just no way that you can, uh, no other way to explain it. Or we come into a piece, and we, we are still looking for a piece of the memory metal, the so-called me- metal that you can uh, wad up in your hand and then let it go, and it'll it'll just flow out like water and straighten out and is indestructible, something like that. And uh, you can you can tell that just by looking at it that we don't have anything like that still, uh, uh, as opposed to something say like a. A, a stiff piece of metal, you know, you can explain away, you can explain away wreckage, except some piece that is so exotic, and that's the memory metal, that uh, you, there can be no other explanation. So that, that's what I see, and I don't see the government, even though Hillary Clinton was, was uh, uh, heard to, uh, well, she stated, I guess about a week or two ago, that she believes that we may have already been visited. Well, I, I'm guessing that she read our book because we know that uh, Bill Clinton had a has a copy of our book, Witness to Roswell. Uh, it was presented to him. We know, we know he has it. I don't know if he read it, but I'm guessing that Hillary read it because she says uh, she wants to find out more about UFOs, uh, and perhaps we've already been visited she wasn't sure. We've got about uh, two minutes here, and uh, Victor's got one more uh, question burning a hole in his pocket. So let's get that. Uh... <laughs> well, yeah, actually, um, the, the, the hole has just been replaced by another burning one. Uh, the, the idea of uh, the pledge that she made to John Podesta and the, and the pledge that John Podesta made to Hillary, uh, they yeah. both are sort of in the same direction, saying to one another that I'm counting on you to get this information out. How serious, I don't know if you've heard that or not, but that was part of the pledge in the in the Conway Daily Sun. Uh, both of them were yeah. quoted as saying the, the, that. Yeah. The track record on that, uh, Victor, is not good. Um, uh, it goes all the way back to Lyndon Johnson, who talked about getting... Uh, the UFO information out when he was running for vice president in 1960. And you remember Jimmy Carter saying he was going to get the stuff out, uh, and it never happened. Uh, but it's John Podesta who's saying that right now. That's a different story. And now story. it's John Podesta and Hillary. But I'm just telling you that the track record on follow-through on those, on those uh, types of statements is not good. I've got one question. You know, a president has many problems to, to solve the, the economy, a war, and all of that, and uh, the, the subject of tab, uh, the subject of UFOs, as you know, uh, Victor, is still taboo in many many areas, and politics is one of those. Uh, professional people, they don't want their name in the, on the same page as the the, the term UFO. Uh, 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 lawyers, doctors. Politicians, uh, people in the in the limelight who that depend on their credibility for their livelihood. UFOs is not one thing they want to be associated with. Thomas, let me see if I can work in. Actually, I knew John Podesta was interested in this, but I'm surprised that Hillary said something. Thomas, let me see if I can work in one more. We've got about a minute here and not enough time, really, but let's just uh, touch upon it. And that is one of the, the – there, there is a disappearance associated with, with uh, Roswell, a, a key witness in 1960. Uh, tell us about the disappearance of this witness and, and uh, what uh, her uh, – I believe it was a, a she – what her, uh, her children are saying. Well, are you talking about Vernon Brazel? 
Oh, I was thinking about, was it there not, uh, uh, Glenn Dennis talked about meeting a, a woman, uh, a nurse on the... Oh, the army. nurse. Oh, that, that is a, such a long story, but that was a, that was a, uh, a phony story by uh, uh, Glenn Dennis. It was actually another nurse. We know who the nurse is. She worked at, the, uh, at a doctor's office. The doctor was called to the base. She went with him. But her husband worked in the same funeral home as Glenn Dennis in the same capacity as an embalmer. So we believe that uh, Glenn Dennis got the story from the nurse's husband, a fellow embalmer at Ballard's funeral home. He made it his own because he, uh, the, 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 you know, the uh, he, he used the nurse as his uh, uh, foil knowing that this certain nurse who's in the year the, the base yearbook was already dead so he used her he admitted to us that he gave us a phony name for the nurse so if you're in a court of law and you're caught lying you are impeached totally as a witness you are you are dead as a witness and he lied to us about the name of the nurse but we've been working on this for years and we believe we have solved who this nurse is and, and how Glenn Dennis was able to come by this story. It, it came from the nurse's husband. Ah, okay. And, uh, the doctor uh, who was called, his son is still living, and he's a doctor also in Roswell. And uh, that, uh, I've interviewed him myself, and uh, just, that's all. I'm, it's, it's still an ongoing in, uh, lead investigation on, on that particular uh, doctor. So, all right. Fair enough, Thomas. We have that solved. All right. I appreciate your time tonight. Uh, In the meantime, congratulations on the children of Roswell, a seven-decade legacy of fear, intimidation, and cover-ups. Thank you for this. Victor Vigiani, my friend, thank you. Until next time. Looking forward to it, as always. All right. Very quickly, Zeland Communications, how do we uh, access that? Just Google the word Zeland Communications and you'll come up with the blog and our website. All right, and my website, strangeplanet.ca. Say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett. As always, follow the truth. listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
From Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, taxi cab, your RV, camper, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Hello to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, here in Toronto, Canada. Those catching us on the podcast uh, through iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn.com, TalkZone.com. Uh, the Conspiracy Show and Zoomer Radio app, uh, both free downloads. Uh, those of you streaming us live on our YouTube, uh, our Hangout on Air. Uh, those, of course, listening in on one of our growing roster of affiliates across North America. However and wherever you're listening, I bid the welcome. We're going to introduce a, a new word into the lexicon, uh, certainly new for me. Uh, I've not uh, heard this word before. Uh, spectrophilia. Spectrophilia. Uh, we'll find out all about that uh, in, uh, in in mere moments. Um, in the meantime, once again, let me uh, get a, a hearty round of applause for you for our uh, our technical producer on the other side of the glass, um, Ian, and uh, my technical producer Albert on this side of the glass. Uh, whatever happens from uh, this moment forward, it's their fault. <laughs> uh, please visit strangeplanet.ca. Strangeplanet.ca, that's the live events page as well, is there. Uh, and uh, find out more about my live event, The Bilderbergs, Sunday, April 17th, University of Toronto. Daniel Estulin presenting a uh, uh, his new documentary film, Bilderberg the Movie, and also a 90-minute lecture on The Bilderbergs. He is the uh, Pulitzer Prize nominee, best-selling author of The True Story of the Bilderbergs. That's Sunday, April 17th, University of Toronto, and order tickets online at uh, the live events page, strangeplanet.ca. All right, I just mentioned this strange word, spectrophilia. Uh, well, we're going to talk with a, um, an actress uh, right now, and then later we'll be joined by a, uh, a psychic medium. Um, we're having some phone difficulties uh, tonight, so unfortunately we can't have both guests on the phone at the same time. I won't bore you with the technical details, uh, but um, if I have them on, they can't hear each other, and it gets kind of complicated and messy. So uh, we have Natasha Blasik on the line with us. She's an actress, model, producer, musician, originally from Odessa, Ukraine, and she's living and working in Hollywood. She starred in the independent feature films Playing with Dolls, Paranoid Activity 2, Death of Evil, uh, The Black Russian, The Ruffian, and the award-winning Notes from the New World, which is based upon the work of Dostoevsky, no uh, no less. She also plays bass guitar in the band Snowflakes, and I think we, we may hear one of her songs a little bit later. Uh, and she's endorsed by Daisy Rock Guitars. Quite a resume. Uh, she was a finalist in the Mrs. World pageant, and... Uh, or is that Miss World pageant? Uh, uh, always interested in uh, fashion. She created her own uh, and designs and wears them to red carpet events. She's a master's degree in international economics. Uh, she lends time and energy to numerous charitable causes, notably Rally for Kids with Cancer. And uh, she's uh, quite pleased that her film, the award-winning The Martial Arts Kid, has reached so many young people with its anti-bullying message. Wow. Natasha Blasik, welcome to The Conspiracy Show, first of all. And that is quite a CV. 
Oh, thank you so much, Richard. Um, I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> okay, now I have a quick question for you. This is Oscar yeah. night. This is Oscar night. Why aren't you at an Oscar party? You're in Hollywood. Because I'm talking to you. <laughs> wow, I am honored. I am indeed honored. All right. I, I was just watching it on TV, so it's good. <laughs> Appreciate it. Okay, so and now uh, Patty, uh, Patty Negri is going to join us later. Uh, first yeah. of all, explain... Um, sort of how you met Patty and, and how she fits into this uh, remarkable uh, paranormal uh, adventure that you've uh, been on. Um, I met Patty years ago because my husband plays in a band with her husband. So this is how we met. And then I would go to, we did some theater together, and then we just did a lot of social uh, events. And uh, we became a dear friend. So I really love Patty. And so I knew her for a while before this whole story happened. <laughs> and, and in her, her capacity as a psychic medium, has she been able to help you, and we'll get into the details here in a moment, has she been able to sort of help you through what you've been going uh, through and help you understand what's happening to you? I mean, she kind of, she kind of explained this to me because I would, I would have completely different explanation if, if any, you know, so... It was really helpful then I talked to her and I told her what happened and and she told me, Oh, it's it's totally normal. I was like, What? <laughs> so because of her I actually kind of felt more accepted and normal and um in a way it was okay to talk about it because you know, I I never talked about it to anybody and kind of it's a you know, it's a strange subject. It, it is indeed, um, and I'm, I'm going to try and do my best to sort of stick handle around this topic and still maintain my family show status. So uh, let's see if we can. Uh, but, good I luck. Mean, all right. Yes. Good luck indeed. So um, when when did this start to happen? Uh, when you let me call it uh, relations uh, with 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 a uh, with a ghost. When 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 did this happen? I mean, I wouldn't call it real, I mean, relations. Okay, I like it. Um, it only happened two times, and it uh, happened quite a number of years ago. I would say maybe five years ago now, three to five. Yeah, I lived in a different city. I lived in Santa Monica, and um, it, uh, it both times it happened in my bedroom. And, um, and it kind of, when it happened, it was so unusual that I just decided not to think about it and put it out of my mind and um, never think about it. It just, it just, I mean, there are a lot of weird things that happen in my life. So my kind of mechanism of coping is just not to, not to talk about it, not to think about it. And then you must be part British because that's what I do. <laughs> I just don't talk about it. I just stuff things down deep inside until they harden like a diamond. <laughs> I know. Maybe I mean I guess I'm pretty hard at this point, but <laughs> but no, Patty makes me soft. Uh, so then years later, she at the at the event, she asked if um, did anybody had a sex with ghosts, and I was thinking, okay, this is weird. Actually, I you know what happened? I saw it on Facebook first. She asked like if anybody had face, uh, sex with ghosts, and I was thinking, okay, this is weird. And I remember what happened to me, but I thought like I don't want to talk about it. It's so personal. And if it meant for me to share the story, we'll come back around. So that's what I thought. And then a couple of days later, I was um, at, the, um, at the event with her, and she started asking this again, people, and people were, like, sharing, like, oh, yeah, it happened to me, it happened to me. And then I was just like, 
I was kind of smiling, I guess. I didn't even know, like, and maybe I said something, but quietly. And she kind of, like, sensed it. It's like, what happened to you? And then she, you know, she gave me this kind of invitation to talk. I was like, okay, I'm going to tell you. And I told her what happened, that I had this, you know, experience, that it was like I, I felt it and I kind of saw, like, it's hard to describe because I didn't see the entity. It was kind of like almost like a, if the entity was see, I mean, it sounds weird, right? Like a invisible or see-through, but if you, but if it would be a light pointed at this entity, it had this reflection. So it's like it out of, like, almost like made out of water. I mean, if Interesting. Okay, well, but I'll get you to sort of yeah. walk us through this, and in the immortal words of uh, Archie Bunker, try to be delicate. <laughs> uh, so this is five years ago in Santa Monica, uh, yeah. and yeah. and um, you're you're in you're lying in bed. Yeah. And, and uh, what happened? I was I was not sleeping, but uh, I was just in bed, uh, and I was by myself at home, and um, I just could sense that somebody is coming to the room and it's just it's just strange feeling because I knew there is nobody at home and I, I and then I just I felt like something entered the room and it's just like very strange because it feels like it is a dream but it's not a dream. It's like that's the weirdest part but it's like you're realizing that it's like it's happening. It's like very strange. And then uh, I felt the, the touch on a body like the weight like you would you would say it, it's a human weight but it's like just a you know you can definitely feel touches on your body and the and the weight on your body and then uh, kind of i wouldn't say like pushed around but you are kind of you know so th- this was this this ghost was being a little rough um i wouldn't say I wouldn't say rough, but because it's not like invited, you know. Right, right. It, 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 it is kind of like, what's going on? It's very, it, it's just, it's unexplainable. And reaction, I think that's why my reaction was the same kind of way. Well, how did you, but how it, did you react? Did, did you scream? Like, did you? No, no, I was just, I was just. I guess just lying there and I was thinking like maybe it was just going going away or maybe it's just maybe it's just something's happening for a second. Oh, I, I didn't I didn't know what to think. It was just such a weird feeling and then that's why I didn't fight or I didn't I didn't do anything. I was just I was just first I guess like scared, but at the same time I was not scared. That's how it's kind of strange. Okay, and, and it did not give me this fear, but it was like, but rational mind is like, okay, this is weird. Right. So, did you feel the entire? Was it? It wasn't just like putting an, a hand on you. You felt mm. the entire. It was like lying on top of your body, like length, yeah, lengthwise. Yeah, I felt like. Yeah, I felt like present. And did it feel? On the top of my body. I mean, how would you describe the tactile sensation? Was it like? Skin on skin? Did it feel cold, clammy? What did it feel like? I didn't. I I don't remember that it was feeling cold or anything. And then you know later people said writing me, and I heard people say like, "Oh, if it's a ghost, like it should be feeling cold and stuff like that." But I didn't feel any coldness. I I I, I didn't. I don't. I don't remember any coldness. I felt like it's just. 
Did it feel like a human body? Kind of, yes. But at the same time, it's no. All right. <laughs> it felt sometimes like some kind of like a like a windy feeling almost. Like that's weird. But uh, uh, but but yeah. I mean, I would say like I I felt like it was. I yeah. Like I you could say like it feels like a human. I think. But if it's like, for me, I could see that human, that would be nice. <laughs> All right, Natasha Blasik is with us, actress, producer, model, musician. Uh, and five years ago, while living in Santa Monica, she had relations with a ghost. Unwelcomed relations. Uh, we'll find out more when we come back, and we'll also hear a, uh, a track from her band, The Snowflakes. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Do you still love me? Peering into the shadows, where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, that's the uh, the snowflakes and uh, the bass player. Uh, that's uh, Natasha Blasik, her band, uh, the Snowflakes, and the song is "Sex with Ghosts," and that's what we're talking about. Uh, the The proper name, the scientific term, I guess, is spectrophilia. Uh, and she is uh, Natasha Blasik is detailing her uh, encounter, her sexual encounter with a ghost, uh, beginning five years ago in, uh, Santa Monica. She's an actress. You may have seen her in Paranoid Activity 2, Death of Evil, uh, playing with dolls, the Black Russian, the Ruffian, uh, and, uh, she also lends her time and energy to numerous charitable causes, uh, notably Rally for Kids with Cancer and, uh, her, um, her film, the award-winning The Martial Arts Kid, um, really was designed to reach out to, to young people with its anti-bullying message. Natasha Blasik. A little bit later in the program, we'll hear from her friend, uh, psychic medium, uh, Patty Negri, and, uh, who has sort of helped her try to cope with this and understand it. Now, uh, again, trying to be, uh, to be delicate. So uh, this wasn't just a case of this, this specter sort of lying on top of you, jumping on top of you. I mean, there was... No, there was like an actual physical act. Right, so, the act. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. The act. And yeah. I mean, at that point, at that point, uh, I mean, I'm guessing this was not a this is not a pleasurable experience. I mean, this was frightening as hell. Uh, that, that that's the weird part that it's like it was very frightening in the beginning, but then because it's just so like I didn't even know what I'm fighting against. It was just bizarre. So I think, like, relaxing and just, like, thinking that it's just going to go away, it actually became kind of pleasurable, kind of. 
you know, because I was not like screaming and, you know, fighting. I was just and what, here. What, yeah. did so you, weird. What, was there heavy breathing? Did this specter make any sounds? Did it try to communicate no, with you? No, no, no sound. But I could hear, I mean, I could feel like some kind of, like kind of like a windish thing. I don't know. Like kind of the sound of a wind blowing. Okay. Yeah, like kind of. And you mentioned you mentioned you tried to describe what it looked like physically, and you said that it kind of had kind of a, I guess, kind of a luminescence. It almost looked like the reflection you might see in the water. Yeah, yeah. That's why then I I I saw it. I honestly I did not think it's a ghost or anything like that because it was just so weird. I thought it was (laughs) my explanation is an alien. I was like thinking, oh, of course it's an alien. I mean, why not? Because well, I'm indeed, kind of... why not? Well, uh, well, I guess we'll find out. Uh, we'll we'll talk to Patty as well about that yeah. as, as to why. Yeah, you... yeah. Uh, but I did not. I did not take it as a ghost. Actually, then Patty told me it's a ghost. It was like a little bit weird to me. I mean, it's like, uh, but what do I know? I mean, um, how long did this last for? This um, first event. I mean, not long. Like five to, I think five. Five minutes. Ten minutes. I don't know. Like. Something like that. It's like no. And 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 did it did it end as quickly as it as it began? Did did you did uh, the specter just sort of get up off the bed and and walk through a wall, or how did it end? I don't know how did walk away. I just at this point I was just like, it just was gone. It just stopped, and, think, and you opened your eyes, and there was no more a specter in the room. Yeah. Were you married at the time? Think, I don't think. Yes, I don't think I even closed my eyes. Um, yes, I am. Yeah, I was. Yeah. And did you yeah. tell your husband what happened when he came home? Or no, no. no. What am I crazy? <laughs> no, no. That's why. That's why you know sharing this publicly. I was thinking like a lot of times. You know, should I actually share that experience or not? Because it is a. You know, I did not tell him. I did not tell anybody this. And then, but then I shared it. He just, you know, he's like, huh, I guess that's my Natasha. But he does not believe me. He doesn't believe you? No. Does that bother you that he doesn't believe you? No. No? No. No, it Because it is, I guess, well, it's hard to, I guess you can understand. I mean, it is hard to believe, isn't it? Yes, yes. It, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me, but I, what I appreciate that he, he is not negative. He's just open-minded and kind of like, you know, I mean, it's hard to believe. And I think that's, the only thing I can expect, kind of like at least not shutting down and saying like, okay, this is completely crazy and then just... Do you have any idea what uh, what may have precipitated this? Is there a history attached to that particular house in Santa Monica? Were you playing with a Ouija board the night before? I mean, I'm grasping at straws here, but I'm... Tra- I mean, was there um, something, a triggering event? I mean, I was not playing with anything, but, you know, as a, as a, a child, I was kind of, you know, playing with that. I would say, and then I did see like UFO, then I was a teenager, and then I always felt, I mean, that sounds kind of unrelatedly, but in a way, but my grandfather died on my birthday, so I was always very curious about if there is something on the other side or there is something to that, and I was always spiritually open, so to speak, like searching for some kind of, you know, reading all the books and hoping that there will be some kind of sign and that will guide me in my life. So I wouldn't say it's exactly the guide, guidance that I was looking for, but uh, the only explanation I can find is for myself that maybe because I was 
open to some kind of sign or some kind of spiritual experience, maybe that could trigger it. That's how I explain it to myself. Also, as I told you, like I did see UFO then I was back in Ukraine. So, and I, I actually, yesterday I listened to one of your shows and it was talking about UFOs and uh, the lady was talking to some guy that she believes uh, came from the future. So this kind of talk is actually in a way close to me and um, that's what I saw. I was like, oh, it must be an alien, I guess, uh, a born alien. <laughs> did it happen again in Santa Monica? Yes, yes. And, and it happened twice. It happened twice. So the first time yeah. five years ago, when did it happen again? Like, actually, very close after first time, I would say, like, three weeks later, you know, like, very close. Same situation, like, you're alone? Yes, yes, yes. But uh, I was not as scared as the first time, so that went smooth. <laughs> so you weren't <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> you, you weren't scared, so what, are you, uh, again, want to be delicate here, but are you telling me you, you, actually, you enjoyed this experience the second time? You were prepared in for it? In a way, yes. It's not like I was prepared, but then it started happening. It's kind of like, it's still, it's still element, of, I mean, element, a lot of elements of danger. But at the same time, because the first time it was kind of nothing happened to me physically, meaning like I was in one piece, I was able to relax more. So that's how I can like, I think. But then after that, nothing like this happened ever. So and after I'm the second time, I'm kind of happy about that. Did you? So. Let me. I want to ask this again in a delicate way, but I don't know how. To, how I'll just ask it. Did you feel like you were un, being unfaithful to your husband? No. 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 I no. I mean, no, because I think unfaithful is then you are willingly having a relationship. This is with a live person. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so it doesn't count expect, if it's with. We, we would expect and hope, right? But no, so I, I don't, I don't feel like it's anything like that at all. All right, so it doesn't count if it's with a ghost. <laughs> I mean, you know, a lot of people say like uh, I know uh, a lot of people like not allowed a spouse to dream about. I mean, that's not the same. But I'm in this case. I just think whatever happens, that it's not the life person. It's kind of and not. It was not my idea. So I, I, don't know. I just think it's plus, yeah. So anyway, all right. <laughs> this is a weird subject, but no. no okay. No, I don't think like. I'm all right, and um, so at, when you first started to talk about this, and and you mentioned that your friend Patty Negri, and she'll join us momentarily on the line. She's the psychic medium. She kind of opened you up to talk about this, and and she says that this is common. <laughs> yes, she did. Uh, yes, she did. But then she was saying, like, it's common, but that if uh, somebody's, like, spouse passed away and then missed them and then came back to comfort them, I was, like, thinking, uh, this doesn't relate to me. But uh, it was comforting to know that actually it's happening. And then she told me that, and after I, uh, I did go on a show and talk about it, I started getting lots of emails where people were actually telling me that something like this happened to them. So you're and sure you don't what, have a you don't have a former lover, an ex boyfriend who passed away, so you you've ruled out that. Um, not that I know that somebody passed away. No, okay. I don't know. No. All right. I mean I, I did I, I, I did find out later than one person that I knew 
um, but he was just a dear friend. He passed away, but but I did not know that at the time. But I don't. I, no, no. But it was not like a, somebody. Did you do any? Very in- close. Okay. Did you do any investigations to find out who lived in that house prior, or you know, and who this person may have been? No, no, mm-mm. no. I did not. I mean, at this, I was just at that point. I was just happy that it did not happen again. And I'm not like exactly. I think once I actually got answers, there is something out there. My curiosity kind of stopped a little. I was kind of like, uh, you know, I did not want to go and investigate and poke and just, I was just hoping that I'll mentally recover and it will be all okay. And have you, you have you mentally recovered? Uh, I think so. Yeah. But, but, you know, recently I did feel, I mean, kind of not like myself, but I don't think it's related to that. It was this year that I was talking a lot about this experience and I did not feel good mentally and then it's like all these letters that people were sending me some of them were so negative and like negative meaning they were worried for me and they were saying like oh it's like it's it's very dangerous and you have to like pray and you have to do this and that and you know all these things they kind of you know they got me i not the experience that got me but the reaction of people got me from one side it was like the same thing happened to me, and you know, give an interview, and the, and the hostess would say, like, "Oh yeah, the same thing happened to me too." So this was comforting. But on the other hand, it's like people were sending this email that it's like you have to pray. This is a devil, and all this talk that like totally freaked me out. So I think now I'm kind of, you know, in a way, balance myself, and and well, but it did take, you know, some. <laughs> not not to reopen an old wound, but what about? I mean, when someone suggested, uh, you know, there are different perspectives on what ghosts are, and some people don't believe they're necessarily the the spirit or the soul of someone who's passed on. Someone actually believes that they could be more sort of a demonic type entity. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is is that a possibility? Do you think? Everything is possibility. Yeah. Everything is. And that's why, actually, that's why I decided to make a, a feature film kind of around this subject because, you know, during this time, I, I do think about this subject a lot. What is possibility? And, I mean, as far, I, I think, like, we call it supernatural, but at the same time, we use up to 10% of our brain power, so to speak. No, speak so, for yourself. <laughs> no, you're kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. No, for me, I mean, it's about like, two. No, that's all right. When I'm actually feeling good, right? But... Uh, <laughs> So it means that maybe something that we think is not natural is totally natural if we actually had that understanding of our own bodies. So that's that's where uh, I'm kind of like trying to stay open and understand that I just we just don't have tools at this point to understand supernatural world. But at right. some point it would be pretty natural. Well, and if, you know what I learned from Patty actually. Yeah. And. Um, that the thought that I kind of, you know, for all this process, I learned for myself that if you're not allowed anything bad happen to you, nothing will happen to you. And it's, you know, I, and I apply it in every other aspect of my life. But, uh, you know, going through kind of being so vulnerable and then going through fear in a way and then with all those letters and at the same time, like going through 
kind of acceptance and without from other people, but still, like, I realized in talking to Patty about this, she's like, nothing can happen to you if you're not allowing it to happen. So you have to feel your own power. And I think for me, that was transformation that's going through what's happening to owning who I am and owning my own powers and, like, realizing that nothing can happen to me. That was, like, a really important lesson in my life. Uh, tell me about this uh, film you're going to make. Now, is it going to be um, a documentary? Is it going to be a feature film? No, I want to make it a, it's a feature film, and uh, it's a it's a horror feature film. And um, it's uh, about pretty much naughty poltergeist that um, you cannot fight that poltergeist with any spells and, like, our normal horror film stuff and uh, the female who goes who starts the journey um, with a mental disease and through actually the journey of fighting this culture guys he finds herself so in a way it's kind of like similar journey that I took but just you know that's that's what I, I feel like I'm very passionate about making this this movie and Patty is going to be in a movie because obviously she's such a big part of you know my life and this experience and plus she's actually a great actress and I feel like that would be for me a lesson that I learned sharing with others and that would be not for nothing so to speak all right well Natasha Blasik uh, actress uh, who had sex with a ghost uh, and lived to tell the tale and um, I happen to know that she was invited to one of Elton John's Oscar parties and she said no Sir Elton I'm going on the conspiracy show with Richard with Serra Richard. that's right yes. and I appreciate your time tonight uh, thank you Natasha and uh, oh, we'll uh, we'll bring Patty Negri on next your uh, friend psychic medium uh, to talk more about spectrophilia thank you so much Richard thank you so much, thank you so much. Thank you. all right thank Natasha Blasik good night. good night all right the conspiracy show back with more in a moment stay with us PIN numbers, passcodes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, uh, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. Uh, we just heard from Natasha Blasik, an actress in Hollywood on Oscar night. And um, she chose to stay with us and hang with us instead of uh, going to one of these crazy red carpet deals or an Oscar party. And she was here to talk about uh, her sexual encounter with a ghost. It's called spectrophilia. And uh, this happened five years ago in uh, Santa Monica. There were two uh, encounters. And, uh, you know, we're not talking about just being groped or pinched or, or what have you. We're talking about actual uh, carnal knowledge uh, with some sort of a specter, a spirit. And um, 
we, we've let Natasha Blassett go, and now we've welcomed uh, her friend, a psychic medium, who is sort of in many ways responsible for getting uh, Natasha to open up about this encounter, and uh, she's going to tell us more about what apparently is far more common than uh, we're aware, spectrophilia, that is. Uh, Patty Negri is a psychic medium, uh, a good witch. She is uh, voted the number one psychic medium, trance medium, tarot reader, witch, magical practitioner, crystal and stone energy healer, and life coach in the world. For 2015-2016, she's an international, in international competition, and this was uh, voted by Times Square Press. In addition, she's also won number one intuitive entertainer, occult personality of the year, and number one influential women in business. She's recently uh, graced six magazine covers, including American Psychic and Medium, uh, Art, UFO, and Supernatural, Parapsychology, and Mind Power, Fourth Dimension and Stars Illustrated and has contributed or been a part of over 20 books, several of which are Amazon bestsellers. And um, uh, Patty Negree will also appear in Natasha Blasek's upcoming <laughs> film about this uh, encounter. Patty, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for having us on. This is great. It's a subject that actually does need to be talked about. Uh, spectrophilia. Now, is that did you coin that term, or has that been around for a while? No, it's been around a long, long time. Um, and actually, the, the act itself, spectrophilia, sex with ghosts, has been around since the dawn of time. It is literally written about in every culture, every religion, every history. You know, the gods would come down have 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 relations with mortal man. That's right. the whole hero story. So it's so funny that in in this. You know, our Western culture where I mean, sex in itself is so taboo that all of a sudden, of course, now we're getting spirits and ghosts involved. It's, it's doubly taboo. But if, 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 why would anybody think? Yes, you have to believe in ghosts or spirits, because if you don't, you're certainly not going to now. Right. But anybody who does believe in ghosts and spirits, so all the people, yes, and Grandma appeared at the end of my bed and no, told me someone's going to die, and yes, this happened. Why all of a sudden would the one subject that would be or act taboo is 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 sex, which is such a integral part of human relations? Why would it? Okay, now that's the thing we don't do anymore once we're dead. It's so funny. That's just that our puritanical what, goofy. Right. Right. Well, I, I mean, I believe I certainly believe in an unseen world. I guess what I never really understood was to what extent. Uh, a, a, a spirit, someone from a spirit world or another dimension could interact with its environment. I mean, you know, uh, I saw Ghost with uh, Patrick Dempsey and, you know, he. I, I mean, I'm not being flippant here, but this is always no, my I, understanding of, of that it's difficult for someone from the spirit world to interact with our physical environment in this dimension. It is. But think of the, I mean, it is. It, it takes a lot of manifesting, coming up to it. Um, but there's something about that act. When you are so engulfed in a sexual act, when somebody loses themselves, those are all the things that somebody does, almost like, like when a psychic or a medium goes into trance state. When you lose yourself, which literally stepping beyond the veil into another place. And I think the act of sex itself is something that contributes to the ability of, of it. You know, if it's not, it, I mean, just like real sex, there's good sex and there's bad sex. There's consensual sex and there's not consensual sex. The bad sex, the non-consensual sex, I'm all about empowering people. Like I told Natasha, if you don't want it, 
this is our realm of existence. This really is. And I've been, you know, talking to dead people since I was three, and spirits of every ilk and good and bad. And really, I do believe if we say, get the heck out of here, they have to, in the name of whatever we believe in, in the name right. of God, in the name of your spirit guides, in the name of your cat, in the name of your Louboutin shoes, whatever <laughs> is that intent. 99.999% of the time it works. We just don't know that. So people become a big victim to it. And unless there's some big mental uh, disease problem or a severe addiction with alcohol or drugs, we have control. But so much of it is good. Um, again, how Natasha, I know, even mentioned like, somebody's ex-lover. I even had a friend that happened to. My best friend, her husband died young age, a, a serious cancer. He came to her. And that is so common. And with this big taboo subject, it's so sad that people are going, well, yes, my lover came to me and it was beautiful, but it's of the devil. Or all these crazy things people will tell you and it isn't. Or it's bad or I'm crazy. So that's why it's good that you have this subject, sensationalized, not whatever, because there's a whole lot of people out there who have experienced this and aren't telling anybody or are afraid to tell anybody. How Natasha said she got lots of letters all the time. I have clients internationally who have this phenomena, good and bad. The bad, you teach them not how to have it, and the good, you teach them how to enjoy it if that's their choice. You know, I don't think anybody needs to get hooked on ghost, ghost relations because talk about geographically undesirable, you know, they don't even live in our Long house. distance relationships never work. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, never. Interdimensional this is really relationship. long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I I probably totally discredited myself. I said Patrick Dempsey was in Ghost. I meant Patrick Swayze. Swayze, I know who you meant. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for understanding. <laughs> uh, so, uh, we'll, we'll take a time out. We'll come back, and I want to find out more about this because it's far more common than uh, we're, we're aware of. Spectrophilia, sex with ghosts, and uh, we will uh, delve further. We'll try to be delicate. Patrick Negri is my guest, psychic medium, and uh, we'll tell you how to get in uh, contact with her as well. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Uh, Welcome back. Uh, Before we get back to our discussion with psychic medium Patrick Negree and uh, sex with ghosts, spectrophilia, um, just a uh, heads up, coming up on the, on the program next week, Dr. Lana Marconi and uh, Dr. Sabina uh, DeVita uh, will be here to talk about alternative health modalities, uh, aromatherapy, reflexology. A lot of this is discussed in Dr. Lana Marconi's uh, documentary film, The Wellness Story, uh, in which she interviews some 30 health practitioners, some of them mainstream, some of them alternative. Uh, and, and this is... Uh, kind of timely because uh, next week I'll also be speaking with uh, a woman uh, who is the co-founder of a, a new movement here in Ontario. You may not be aware of what's happening. Uh, there is a um, some changes, amendments to some existing legislation here in the province of Ontario that will affect uh, various types of al- alternative therapies, uh, non-medical uh, therapies, things like reflexology, uh, Reiki, uh, 
uh, spiritual counseling, all of these things will be affected by this new piece of legislation. And my guest is very concerned uh, that this may be um, an attempt to ban any sort of non-medical therapy that doesn't involve writing a script, pharmaceuticals. So we'll talk about uh, that next week on the program. All right. Uh, Let's get back to sex with ghosts, shall we? And uh, earlier we heard from uh, a wonderful actress uh, by the name of Natasha Blasek, and uh, she was detailing her encounter with a ghost uh, five years ago in Santa Monica. And... uh, very interesting uh, that this is uh, far more common than we're aware of. Uh, Patty Negri is uh, my guest now, and she's a friend of Natasha's, and you are sort of responsible for helping her to sort of open up and talk about this. Uh, was she at all, was she embarrassed or uh, at first? or I mean, how hard was it for, for you to convince her to talk about this? Very, very common reaction. Again, this is stuff we don't talk about normally anyway, just getting into the whole sexual subject. And then all of a sudden when you're adding a ghost object to it, they're embarrassed. Um, That's the first thing that comes. And they're often frightened, like she didn't know, is this good or bad? And you hear things. So, But once she did open up, it's, it's like... It's like they can breathe again. That's why, again, I work with people all over the world, and the fact that you're doing this radio show is really great. You will probably get people you know, calling up and saying, oh, my gosh, thank you for doing this. I thought I was the only one in the world, and you're not the only one in the world. So, yeah, it was really beautiful to have her open up, and I think she's done a lot of good. Yeah, you're going to get the crazies out there telling you, you know, you're damned, it's the devil, it's all sorts of crazy things, but... Well, there is. A, I mean, there are lower vibrational entities out there. Uh, there are, and, yes, there I mean, are, and that's the one you get rid of really quick. But how do we know that that this was the 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 soul of a, a, a you know a human being, a departed human being, and not some lower vibrational entity like a demon? See, I think I work it out with people. You know, yes, there are tricksters. There are demons who will come in, or dark lower vibrations who will come in and trick you and say yeah, I'm your dead spouse or your ex-boyfriend or whatever, whatever. But I honestly think we have the intuition to know that. I think something smells fishy, and it probably is. And I, that's, I, I talk to her about that, and I talk to everybody about that. And you really do. It's like, well, they said they were good. Well, they said they, they, said they were what, whoever, whatever, a good spirit, but it didn't feel right. You have to what it feels right. And that's what... Um, and that's really what it is. I, I, I really trust people's intuition. Again, unless you have serious mental problems, which you're going to draw the bad stuff in, or, or drug or alcohol problems, which that, and you're just a bad person in general, you're going to draw the lower vibrations. But there's a whole lot of higher vibrations walking around with, and, and, um, with good experiences for people. Uh, I, I want to be really careful about this, but it, I can't help but not ask it. And that is, I mean, she... Admitted. I mean, when it, it first happened, she was shocked. She was sort of scared, but more confused, I think. Uh, and it wasn't welcomed exactly. I mean, this te- technically wasn't she raped? If... Well, I you know I didn't hear her that part of that. That I mean, I've talked to her a lot, not they recent, not recently about it, but I think. I don't 
think she was technically technically raped. I mean, if she, if she thought she was, then she would be if it was not consensual. But I think it was when she let go of the fear, other than the the, the that weirdness or guilt attached to it, I, it didn't sound like it was. It sounded like it was pleasurable for her. I don't know what all she said today. No, she did so. communicate that. But, I mean, initially, uh, you know, that it was, you know, she didn't, uh, she didn't ask for it. But, um, and the fact that it didn't attempt to communicate, like when this happens typically, if there is sort of a, a, a typical case, uh, is there any communication uh, prior, during, after the act, uh, with with, with well, ghosts. Well, to say typical cases like like sex, there's not a typical case. There's there there is some commonalities that come into it. That's different. Um, the one thing that's funny about us, whether it's a sexual experience with a ghost or just a regular experience with a ghost, we just stand there and and stare or look. We don't ask questions. And I teach people that, it's like ask questions. <laughs> Who are you? Are you male? Are you female? Are you good? Are you positive? You know, ask questions. And in, in I train people in, in, in working to gain their intuition. Um, some people actually ask it in, want it the experience. So then there's that communication there. I'm really careful about that because it's, you, don't, you, know, you don't want all the 17-year-old boys just going, yeah, I want to have sex with a ghost. Yeah, call it on in. You know, you know when when perverts, you don't want a bunch of kids. Um, but uh, the times when I've seen it being really good um, and experience that it's positive and light-filled and wonderful. Natasha had mentioned we had earlier, again, to see spouses that come in, um, and it's great, and they know exactly who they are, and they do communicate. Another positive aspect I've seen is women who have lost all their self-confidence in themselves, in themselves as a sensual being or a sexual being, and they're afraid of dating, they're afraid of getting in relationships because it has been so shut off. And they're, sometimes their so desire for love and their fear of it, literally, I think the angels or heaven or whoever sends down somebody to gently awaken their sensuality. And that's another good thing. And that usually is communicated, too. Uh, this is this may I ask a lot of stupid questions, and this I is like probably it. one of them. Uh, I mean, in legend, of course, you know, you talked about... Uh, uh, Zeus, for example, and he would appear as a swan or whatever, and he would have relations with a with a mortal, and then they would have uh, offspring. Uh, in the Bible, of course, we have uh, stories of um, uh, the, the Nephilim or the fallen angels commingling with the daughters of men and, and producing race of a race of giants. I, is it possible uh, for a woman to become pregnant? I mean, that's a really stupid question, isn't it? Well, I don't, I don't I have more stupid than any other question. I don't think it is. I've never experienced anybody becoming pregnant from that. Because, again, remember, they're just, it's energy. Everything is energy. Everybody can all agree on that. Whatever goes, people, we're all just energy. But I think that energy in our day and age with, with the, the carbon-based beings that, that we all are now, I've never heard of anybody getting pregnant. You know, who's to say never, but I, I don't think that that's, you know, that again, if that starts happening, then we're going to go back into the ET thing, then it's, I don't know what it is. Um, I don't, I don't, I think we have enough half-breeds with us now with just the ghost human type, you know, it's right. in the blood now. Well, I w- that was my next question, actually, is 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 um, the possibility that it was an ET. In fact, that was Patty's, uh, sorry, that was uh, Natasha's first 
idea was that maybe this was an ET that that uh, had come into her room. I mean, is that a possibility? Well, it could be. It it um, it could be. I mean, I certainly wasn't there, so I certainly say. And I do. I've just in the last couple of years, I've been talking to dead people and entities since I was a little kid. I knew when I was two or three that the so-called imaginary friends little kids have weren't all imaginary. I literally did my first seance at seven or eight. Um, I actually, in thinking back to those two and three-year-old days, I think that there was a different in the extraterrestrial energy and the ghost energy. And now that I'm learning more of the other extraterrestrial world in just the last couple of years, I've purposely done um, seances that were ET seances. Oh my God. Complete. I, and I'll use words from like Anunnaki works from, from like Maximilian de Lafayette or different people that I'm pulling words to pull in exact using old Sumerian language or whatever it is. And it's a whole different experience. And so I would think, from me experiencing both, not in a sexual way, but just me experiencing both, you kind of know an alien is a way not a ghost, in my experience. They come in, they'll never come in at the same time, which is intriguing to me. I think it is such a different vibrational. If I'm sitting here talking to dead Uncle Bob or whoever and, you know, all this stuff, the, the, that whole ET energy won't come in. If I'm doing the ET energy, the dead Uncle Bob won't come in. It's yeah, I have to raise the veil in a completely different way and call in a whole different vibration. So it could be for Natasha. I I don't know, but to me that has a different energy to it. Uh, Patty Negree is with us, and it's uh, pattynegree.com. Let me spell that. It's P-A-T-T-I-N-E-G-R-I.com, pattynegree.com. Uh, not, not being flippant here, but, I mean, do you, uh, on your website, when people contact you about this, do you give, I mean, it's almost like we would, if this is common, it's like we need sort of, um, uh, you know, the advice columnists for the lovelorn and so forth. I mean, do you do you get people that want advice about, you know, how to, carry on this relationship with ghosts? Yeah. And again, I'm not one to, to like think that it's anything anybody should keep and keep going because I think that keeps us out of this world. But they do. And again, the one show that I first had brought Natasha on was this morning. It's a UK program. It's, it's huge. It's like the same as our Good Morning America. And that sub- subject really literally went, they went viral on Twitter and everything else within like minutes of it. I just did a big piece on BuzzFeed. I mean, again, very playful because it's BuzzFeed. But the, the response is amazing because it's, it's just something that Again, people are curious about, or even more so, the ones that have experienced or think they've experienced something, or their friend has, or this has, and it's just something that's not talked about. I mean, everybody can talk about aliens now, ETs now, ghosts and spirits now, but that sex thing is still taboo. <laughs> and, and for those that are experiencing, let's, let's call it the dark side, the unwarranted, or the, un, sorry, the unwelcomed uh, advances... Uh, attacks, even mm-hmm. how, how do we? How, how does one protect oneself from that? Uh, there's a bunches and bunches away, but the first thing is you claim your power, you claim your strength, you tell you are not welcome here. This is my space. This is my room. This is my bed. This is my body. Get the hell out of here! Again, in the name of whatever you believe in, know your belief system, know your cosmology. Who are you going to call when it gets scary? Like to go? Who are you going to call? 
um, you really do have to know because to me, your cosmology, your belief system is your roadmap. That's our roadmap in and out. So what, whether it's an atheist roadmap or whatever in the name of science, in the name of whoever, get out because that's what really works, your belief and your intent. And, and that's an immutable that, law of the universe. They have to follow that, right? They have to leave. In a weird way, it is. In our realm, this is our realm of existence. In their realm of existence, I don't know. They have to play by our rules, and I've never seen one that hasn't. Patty Negree, thank you so much. I enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. It was great. PattyNegree.com, P-A-T-T-I-N-E-G-R-I.com. All right. My thanks to uh, Ian and Albert and Jonathan Franz. Uh, Back next week with a brand new program. Hope you'll be along for that. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. Day to you. Hey, Bye. where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.